You're listening to the EFC Podcast. If it's doctors today, it will be the churches tomorrow, says Larry Worthen, Executive Director of the Christian Medical and Dental Society of Canada. I'm Karen Stiller. I spoke to Larry about his response to the May 19th decision by the Ontario Court of Appeal in the case Christian Medical and Dental Society versus College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. The court upheld the CPSO's policies on medical assistance in dying and human rights obligations. The policies require doctors who object to controversial procedures like euthanasia, assisted suicide, and abortion to do effective referrals. An effective referral means a doctor actively works to connect a patient with a willing provider of the medical service they want, which in these cases involves ending a life. In this brief interview, Larry explains why effective referrals are such a problem for Christian doctors and how this latest development impacts the religious freedom of doctors of faith and what it could eventually mean for the church in Canada. Larry, tell us what uh, your reaction to this decision is. Well, we were very disappointed. Uh, It seems to us to be a very impractical decision for the practice of medicine and care for patients in Ontario. And uh, we just feel that there are ways to do this that would be much more constructive and would allow us to have a more diverse medical care community that would reflect the actual population of Ontario. Can you, for people listening who may not have been following this all along, can you walk us just briefly through the history that you've had as Executive Director of the Christian Medical and Dental Society of Canada with this particular case in Ontario? Well, the college came out with a policy uh, a number of years ago requiring an effective referral for procedures like abortion. When that policy was proposed, A lot of our members, many of our members and many other concerned physicians expressed their concerns about that because for evangelical Christians, for Roman Catholics, for Orthodox Jews, a referral is uh, consistent uh, with uh, or is similar from a moral perspective to actually performing the act. You're actually setting up the appointment, you're uh, being involved in providing information to the doctor who's going to do the assessment, those kinds of things. It's, it really is very significant cooperation in the act. Despite the fact that there was a groundswell of concern expressed, the college went ahead and passed the policy. When assisted suicide became legalized in Canada, they reviewed that and they decided to uh, include that as well in the policy. We basically started an action for judicial review. There were five applicants, three organizations. That was to the divisional court. We got an answer from them in January of last year, and then we decided to appeal, and we got the answer from the appeal court last week. Let's talk a little bit, uh, if we can, about referral, because I think some people, like some you know, really nice, kind-hearted Canadians would say, what is the big deal about a doctor you know, giving the name of another doctor to a patient for a procedure they were uncomfortable with? But you're saying that it is a big deal. So Help us understand that more for people who may not quite agree or get it. Well, the procedures we're talking about result in the termination of a life. And for Christians, thou shalt not kill. But to participate in that, in other words, if you had someone come to you and say they wanted to kill themselves, it would be equivalent to passing them a loaded gun. 
Okay. And I think that morally that's the issue. The other thing to indicate is that we're not talking about providing information. Most of our doctors are comfortable, for instance, in Ontario in providing the telehealth number. Telehealth has a service that's provided all throughout Ontario where the patient can call. They can be assessed over the phone by a, uh, a qualified nurse who then determines whether or not the patient should have a formal assessment by a physician. And that assessment is set up by that service. So all of our members are comfortable with providing the telehealth number. What the college is wanting is more than that. They want us actually to connect the patient, to set up the meeting, to uh, make sure that the patient gets there. And we feel that that's a burden that's just too much for us to bear. It can cause what's called moral distress when you're forced day in, day out to do things that are just against your conscience. And other provinces have found other solutions to this. Is that correct? Like Ontario is a bit of an outlier in this issue. Ontario is an outlier worldwide. I mean, no jurisdiction, even the Netherlands, which has had a history of assisted suicide for many years, requires that doctors must refer for this procedure. And that's extremely problematic. Other provinces... Quite frankly, you know, the system in Ontario with telehealth is a very good system for gaining access. It doesn't matter where you are in Ontario, you can make the call, you can speak to a nurse who's qualified, you can get an assessment. The other thing that people should know is that people often think about, when they think about assisted suicide, they think about a patient who's at the very end of their life, you know, maybe with only months to live. Patients who are in that circumstance, who are very sick, are going to be in nursing homes, hospitals, or home care programs. Each of those programs has ways for patients to access that, even though the doctor has a conscientious objection. So we're only talking about patients who come into the doctor's office to be seen. And our view is that if they're well enough to come into the doctor's office to be seen, it's normally at the very early stages of whatever condition they have, and they should be able to make that call to be able to connect themselves. The doctor should not be required to provide a service that would force them to do something against their moral beliefs. In addition to that, our doctors are all comfortable continuing to provide care for the patient. There's no abandonment of the patient. We just simply ask that if the patient decides to take that route, uh, that they do so without requiring the participation of the conscientious objector. And if I was understanding the decision correctly, it was this, uh, there was an acknowledgement that yes, there may be an infringement on the freedom of religion and conscience um, for the doctor, but that patient access uh, sort of trumped that. And you're saying that um, in, in your opinion, access is not an issue. It's not decreased by a conscientious objecting physician. Now, if you think about the numbers, roughly 1% of all deaths across Canada are now through uh, assisted suicide. And we estimate maybe 5% of all physicians in Ontario are conscientious objectors. So the chances of a patient requesting uh, assisted suicide from a conscientiously objecting physician in the office who is unable to contact a telephone number or who has no one in their lives who would be able to contact a telephone number the, the, the chances of that happening are infinitesimal. Mm. Um, they're tiny, but yet that is sufficient for the college to put a policy in place that will mean that possibly 1,500 doctors will not be able to practice medicine. So it's, um, 
it's kind of like a very, very small proportion might be affected by this, could possibly theoretically be affected by this. And yet the court was able to say, well, doctors are going to have to change their practices so that they're doing hair loss medicine or obesity medicine or or other forms of, of that type of medicine. You know, someone could be a cardiologist or an internal medicine specialist, and yet I have to drop all of that and get into sleep medicine. The whole thing just boggles the mind. It's just not very practical in terms of today's medical care system. And we believe it's going to affect patient care because it will mean that all these doctors who may have been involved in palliative care or cancer care or all these different things, all their patients will now not have physicians because they're going to be forced into something that they weren't even trained for. So why is this happening, Larry? Like, it does sound like not a, not a great decision when you explain it so clearly. What, what is behind this decision? Well, I think I'll, I'll answer personally now. My own feeling is that in Canada, we've put too many of these decisions to the courts, and the courts are really not the right place to resolve a decision like this. I mean, they're judges. They don't understand the medical system. The college comes in and says, this is essential, and who are they to question the college? Uh, even though we had affidavits from medical experts talking about how the the risk of patients not getting access was simply theoretical. Nevertheless, I think the court deferred to the college's expertise. And uh, I think that's why we get decisions like this. I think the other piece of it is that Christians have not been as vocal as they need to be. Uh, they don't realize that our very religious freedom, our ability to participate in certain professions is actually not only eroded, but actively challenged by people that I would call radical secularists who are who really won't be happy until all reference to God and Christianity is erased from any uh, part of the public square. I th- really think that Christians need to recognize that if they don't act, if they don't stand up for these rights and freedoms, that our capacity to be able to influence the public square will be grossly limited and will frankly become second-class citizens in which certain professions, certain jobs are just not open to us because of our religious beliefs. And of course, this would affect other religions. You mentioned um, Jewish doctors, but Muslim doctors would be impacted by this as well, I presume. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert on the Muslim faith, but I understand that they, you know, they don't, I don't think they have any particular teaching on the issue of referral. But the imams I've spoken to, really not very uh, supportive of it, but are very supportive of our religious freedom to be able to say we cannot do it. Yes. I know that the Muslim doctors I've spoken to are just as upset as the Christian doctors about the legalization of assisted suicide. Tell me more about the reaction of doctors impacted by this. You mentioned some doctors might leave or be forced to switch their specialties or, or stop altogether. What are you hearing from your members and other physicians? People who are close to retirement are retiring. People are leaving Ontario, moving to other provinces. People are reducing. They're, they're completely getting out of palliative care. It's, it's very, very common. Unfortunately, doctors are not like lawyers. When something like this happens, they kind of vote with their feet. Uh, lawyers would fight, but doctors tend to just say it's just too much hassle. I, they're frightened of the college anyway, and their tendency has just been to move out of these areas. Now, the problem is when they do that, the radical secularists are delighted because that's their end goal. But the effect on the medical care system is that when you take all the Christians out, 
not to say that Christians are necessarily better or more virtuous than other people, but having Christ, prayer, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the medical care system is a good thing. When you take all the Christians out of it, uh, I don't think you could say that that's going to be a good thing for the medical care system. So what will happen next, Larry? Are there is there any recourse left legally, or what is the next step? We're currently considering our options with the possible uh, appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. We're also working politically, trying to influence the government of Ontario to step in in this circumstance, to create a system that will allow access while at the same time protect conscience rights, and also to pr protect us legislatively. I'm sure the judges didn't mean to do this, but what, when, they, when a decision like this comes out, then the whole ability of Christian doctors to practice gets called into question. And it opens us to discrimination by patients, by uh, medical schools, by other institutions, because uh, some people feel that there really is no place in medicine for Christian doctors unless they're able to restrict or restrain their faith they're going to have to just get out of the practice of medicine. And really, this is what the decision is stating. It's basically stating if you can't bring yourself to participate in euthanasia or abortion, then it's probably best for you to get into hair loss medicine or obesity medicine or just get out of medicine altogether. So do you imagine a day in Canada where a patient would walk into an office and demand to know the religious beliefs of their physician? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the colleges, I forget which one, is now basically saying that religious belief is a bias that needs to be reported to the patient. Uh, we had a, a just an email from a lawyer last night uh, basically saying that she was planning on making a complaint to the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario because two of her doctors, two doctors that she sees, are mem she's found out that they're members of CMDS and have not disclosed that to her. And she feels that doctors should have to disclose their faith to the patient so the patient knows. Faith, from her perspective, is seen as a bias. I would say, from my perspective, that her radical secularism is a bias. Uh, the question is, and Bruce Cleminger has been very good about this, he talks about a deep pluralism. In other words, does pluralism, multiculturalism, mean that the state is neutral or that the common ground is neutral, or does it mean that it must be secular? And the distinction between these two things is quite significant because if people feel in order to be a doctor, you must have a secular approach, you know, diverse approach we're okay with, multicultural approach we're okay with. Our doctors see people all every day with religious beliefs or lack of religious beliefs, uh, you know, that are opposed to theirs. We're comfortable with pluralism. Uh, what we're not comfortable with is a pluralism that says, okay, there's pluralism for everyone else, but not for Christians. Yeah, Larry, what can people do now to come alongside uh, the Christian Medical and Dental Society or just keep encouraging or, um, yeah, what should ordinary doctor visiting Canadians do who are concerned about this? Well, I think Christians across Canada really need to wake up to the fact that they're going to lose their Christian doctors if they don't take action. Even in my church, my own church, my wife is a Christian doctor, my son is a Christian doctor. Uh, I will have people come up to me in my church and say, oh, thank God we have your wife. She's so wonderful. It's so wonderful to go and be able to talk about my faith to my doctor. Well, sometimes I get frustrated because I want to say to them, if you don't do something, 
my wife is not going to be able to practice. So we have a website called canadiansforconscience.ca. I need every Christian who's listening to this uh, podcast to go on that website and to send a letter to their politician in their province, basically calling for legislation to protect religious freedom amongst medical professionals. It's an absolute battle in every province. The only province where it is not a battle right now is Manitoba. We currently have legislation there, thanks to a government there and a, a Christian uh, health minister. But, you know, we're currently working in Saskatchewan, in Ontario. Those are our two main battlegrounds right now. But everywhere across the country, we need Christians to be able to get active on this, sending letters. The other thing we need to do is need to ask pastors to really open up their church to allow someone from the medical profession to stand up and tell the people about this problem. Most uh, evangelical Christians are not aware of this. Uh, some evangelical Christian pastors are really reluctant to get into this because it's a political issue, but I see it as a moral issue. It's got to do with our Christians across Canada being able to live out their faith in Jesus Christ and to be able to bring Christ into the public square. It affects our capacity to live out our, our lives in a faithful way. It also affects our capacity to bring the good news to everyone that we meet. I guess what I would say is if it's the doctors today, Tomorrow, it's going to be the churches. So please help us on this fire line, uh, because I'm afraid if the fire breaks through this fire line, the churches will be next. And I really urge people to go to our website, canadiansforconscience.ca. You can email uh, CMDS. We have materials for churches. We're doing this in conjunction with the EFC. It's a great partnership. Our email address is office at cmdscanada.org. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.